0: (laughs) with half a minute to play Bryant for the lead yes Kobe Bryant gives the Lakers the lead (laughs) I tell you something this is you know he was legendary before this game this is this takes it to an absolute another level are back with the OK Podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Dan O. Um, this is the Comedian Ordinaire Podcast. I'm still kind of getting over whatever I was infected with. Maybe it was a corona disease. Dude, I, I don't want to joke about that disease. Um, not because it's not funny, but uh, dude, I, like, what if I have it? What if I have it and then the last words that I say are every time the... Chinese government starts a bio nuclear warfare, uh, Corona gets its Lyme disease. I don't want those to be my last words, probably because it's a meme somewhere already. You know, every time I try to make a play on words or something like that, somebody somewhere sends me a meme and they're like, hey, hey, this is kind of right up your alley. I'm like, no shit. It's up my alley. It came out of my alley. Um, but I don't want that to be the last thing I say. Why did I start off talking with the Corona disease? I don't know. This is, um, hey, this is another solo pod. I'm doing a solo show. So I'm performing on my own in front of people. I guess you can call this performing. It's more just like talking, but, um, yeah, you know, it's just a weird, a weird time. Um, and anybody that knows me personally knows that I'm a huge NBA fan, and I have been since I don't know 2008 nine, kind of right when um, the Lakers beat the Orlando Magic in the NBA Finals. Anyways, became a huge basketball fan, and um, you know, getting into comedy, I sort of looked at it like how athletes approach basketball. In terms of work ethic and always showing up and just doing the job to the highest level or whatever. You know how people always talk like that. But I always sort of compared the two. Um, and I'm a diehard Laker fan. So this is going to be one of those. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it for a little bit because I have to. Holy shit, I have to. It's, it's so wild that um, we got this news so early on in the year. You know, there's been a a lot of crazy ass shit in the news. Every time you just open up a news thing or, you know, if you have one friend who thinks their opinion is valid and you're a friend with them on social media, you probably know about the Australia wildfires, the Corona disease, and Kobe Bryant. Um, so that's kind of why I had that clip in the beginning. Well, that's not kind of, that's exactly why I had that intro clip in the beginning. Um, yeah, it's, I'll talk about it pretty briefly because I do, you know, have some other things to say, but, um, Kobe Bryant was, he was the man, he was the man. And I'm sure you've probably heard or seen somewhere, but he was involved in a helicopter crash Along with eight other people. And there's no, it feels like there's no right way to report or to talk about this because you say something like, Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter accident. And half of the world is like, well, what about the other eight people? How come they don't have names, huh? How come you only care about the one person? You know, people will always find something to get upset about. That's just the world that we live in. We're all upset, and we want people to comfort us when we are upset. You know, I, I'm i no exception. I mean, dude, I have a podcast, and I'm talking about Kobe Bryant. Um, because it did upset me. You know, and he was in there with, and this is just what I know, and... Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Reach out to me and be like, Hey, dude, you didn't fact check anything. You know, you watch one CNN video and now you think you're goddamn Anderson. uh, What's his name? Cooper? Pack? Something like that. And so look, I'm just going to talk about what I know of it and I guess how it impacted me and things like that. Um, But he was in there with his 13-year-old daughter, and a husband and wife were also on board with their daughter who was a teammate of Kobe Bryant's daughter Um, and one of I believe Kobe Bryant's you know like personal coaches who helped coach that team he was the coach of a a women's youth basketball team Um, he was a huge advocate for women's sports in general you know when His daughter showed interest in athletics. He was like the first one to be like, all right, because of course he's Kobe Bryant, but he was the first to be like, all right, let's do it. If you're serious about it, let's get into it. Let's work hard. I'm going to take you to these events. You're going to meet some people. You're going to know what the life is like. And that's where they were headed. I mean, they were on their way to a basketball game for his daughter that he was going to coach. And like I said, a little bit ago, I, I you know I was a die I am a diehard Laker fan, and I love the NBA. The NBA is like, oh my God, I'm so obsessed with the NBA. If you've listened to all of these, and there's a handful of you out there that have listened to all of these, you know, I just talk about it sometimes. I get excited about it. I think I did like 10 minutes on the 2018 19 playoffs, probably 19. Um, <clears throat> dude, I'm always thinking about it. Uh, It's just, it's kind of comforting. Uh, it's just whatever, for whatever reason, to be obsessed with that world and that community has always been very comforting to me. And I absolutely was a Kobe fan. How can you not be a Kobe fan? If you like basketball, you like Kobe. But even if you just know basketball, you know of Kobe. And this has all been rambling up until this point. But, you know, um some people... And it's tough for me because I, I'm in the same position. But, you know, a lot of comedians will make jokes that are insensitive towards it. I get it. You know, I, I get it. That's that's how people react and deal with things on their own. And just because I might not think it's funny or I I wouldn't ever say it, it doesn't mean that they're not allowed to say it. You know, you can't control people and how they react to things. Just like how they can't control how I got sad when I found out I was at work. Um, I work in a restaurant as a server. I was at work and you know, somebody came in and told me, and uh, it was it it was so weird. It's because I, you hear about it, and your immediate reaction is like, "That's fake. It's fake. Of course, it's fake." You know, there's been a lot of celebrity death hoax and things like that. You're like, "All right, so." I don't know, in five minutes, the next report will come out that'll be like, hey, sorry, we're full of shit. We don't know what we're talking about. And that report never came, never happened. So I was, it was so strange and I had to work a couple of hours just kind of feeling weird and like a little bit embarrassed, right? Because, you know, people were coming up to me. They know I like basketball and they were coming up to me like, hey, I, I hope you're not too sad or are you doing okay and you know it is an athlete so to be so attached to an athlete in front of all these people that you know don't have the same attachment um is a little bit embarrassing right because they're asking if you're okay they're asking if i'm okay because clearly they're fine it did not impact them but we're all impacted by different things and i wasn't feeling great i'm still not feeling awesome it's so weird to think about because Kobe Bryant has been just a source of inspiration since I was like, I don't know, eight years old, 10 years old. It's just a part, it was a part of culture. He was a part of culture, is a part of culture. It's, um. and you know, especially being a Laker fan, I just followed oh everything that he did. You know, and scored 60 points in his final game. I'm just talking about the basketball side, but and then he retires, and then he starts this media company, um, and then starts publishing children's books. He starts coaching women's youth basketball, you know, like literally coaching the next generation of WNBA players. He's a huge advocate of that league, just a supporter for kids in general. And starts putting these books out. He gets an Academy Award for. A short animated film called dear basketball and you know it's like in whatever you do if you were a fan of Kobe or if you just kind of knew him he inspired you to be better at it he just did because you know you got to put in full effort that's sort of what he was always saying and what he was always about you just got to do things like do the task as well as it can be done. Um, And you can apply that to anything. Like I started talking about in the beginning of this podcast, I'd always compared comedy and basketball. And I think the journey that people go through, I mean, a lot of our journeys are really similar, but for me it's just easy to identify certain points in a basketball player's career with a comedian's career. You know, because... First of all, you need to have an actual passion for what you want to do, and you need to learn how to apply your given talent with a work ethic, whether that be you know, completely manufactured or not. Some people are born with a work ethic, and some people have to learn how to have one and get better at just practicing it. And yeah, in a lot of the things, like in my life, I, I just would always compare to an athlete's upcoming. Um, and a lot of that was due to Kobe Bryant. Like I said, just a huge source of inspiration. So it's really it's a strange feeling to have, you know, and a lot of people will be insensitive and make fun of you for, you know being so attached to a celebrity. Um, and I think for a lot of people, Kobe just was a celebrity and most people might not know, um, that he, he was a little bit more than that. You know, they also might just associate him with the sexual assault allegations in 2003 and four, you know, some people will look at that and then they will be like, all right, so he was a rapist and I'm glad he's gone. Literally, people are saying that. That's horrendous. That's so awful. What a shitty thing to say about anybody. How could you say that? Um, And you know, that's my point of view. But then if you ask them, they're like, yeah, well, you know, he is that. And I feel better that we don't have any or we're one less rapist in whatever, right? Everyone has just their way of dealing with it and reacting to it, and I can't get mad about it, but it's just, it's really strange to me anyways, again, this is all my point of view, but it's strange to me that, you know, you hear the news of uh, a 41-year-old passing, and you, you know he has an impact beyond basketball, because you know him, and you know, I know a lot of people out there that aren't fans of basketball that have reached out to me saying something like, hey, I hope you're feeling okay. Because they just know. They just know him. Um, The the touch, their reach was beyond basketball. But again, whatever. I'm repeating myself so much. You just can't control how people are going to react to it. But it is devastating. It's so devastating, especially for a diehard NBA fan like I am. Like, I watch basketball so often... It's 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 a weird habit. It's so bad. If you replaced basketball with heroin, I would have been dead in two thousand and ten. There's just no way that somebody could live with the habit like that if it was bad for them. Luckily, it's basketball, and it's and it's awesome, and it's good for me, and it makes me go outside and play it sometimes. And I just love talking about it. I love connecting with people about it. That's my absolute favorite thing to talk about. Um, yeah, but. <clears throat> Uh, it's, uh, I'm I'm at a loss for words a little bit. I didn't want to start this out all emotional, but, man, I, you know, it's so weird because I got home from work and I was, like, depressed. I was so fucking sad for, like, four hours. Just sad as shit because you'd never really know what can happen, so, um, and I guess how, you know, a specific example of, uh. Of Kobe impacting me and, you know, inspiring me. The restaurant that I work at now, I first got hired to work there in February of 2016. Um, So I've been there almost four years. But when I got hired, I was hired as a food runner, which is somebody who works primarily in the kitchen and garnishes and dresses food and dishes and brings them out to their tables and you got to do that as fast as possible, and you have to carry a lot of plates, and you just have to do it right, and I got hired, I had applied to be a host, because that's, in my mind at that time, it was just easy money, it was an easy job, I was like, I can do this, I might still talk to people, and did not get hired as that, they are like, actually, we need a food runner, and I was like, I've never heard of that, but all right, And they're like, great, you gotta be here at five in the morning and you're gonna work until 2.30 and it's gonna be non-fucking-stop. The restaurant I work at is really busy. Um, And originally you're supposed to get five days of training. I think they gave me eight days of training because by day five I had showed zero signs of improvement. Day six and seven, one percent improvement. And then day eight I got sat down at one of the tables after work and a manager was talking to me and said, um, and this manager doesn't work there anymore, but he talked to me and said, look, if you don't get your shit together by Sunday, he was telling me this on a Tuesday. He's like, if you don't get your shit together by Sunday, your next shift, we're going to have to part ways because this just isn't working. It's not an efficient decision to keep you on and and have you just working so slow back there. <clears throat> and that was a real punch to the to the balls and to the penis for me because i have both or all three and i remember going home and at the time this documentary had come out about Kobe Bryant called Muse and Kobe was just talking like if you want to be good at anything you just you have to Focus. You just got to focus and, you know, apply yourself and just be good at it. And I spent, this is a silly story, but this is like a real, this is a real life example of how Kobe just has a reach beyond basketball, right? So I spent Wednesday through Saturday all day because I was just staying at home. I was right out of high school, didn't have another job. I was just home all day. I would stay at home and literally like walk around my house. With plates from my cabinet And I would like stack them up on my arms And try to balance them I would walk up and down the stairs Go and like watch the Kobe documentary some more And he would be like Yeah you just gotta keep going You gotta keep pushing it And I was like fuck this sucks What a shitty job Why am I trying to get good at this But then I came back on Sunday And I killed it And I had a great day And then you know This is me just tooting my own horn a little bit, but I was was fucking awesome at that job for like two years. You know, and I wasn't always happy in it, but I was the shit at that job for two years because of the inspiration that I found in a Kobe Bryant documentary talking about basketball. And people will say it all the time. You know, if you do anything, just try to be the best at it. And then someone else will go, well, yeah, but you don't want to be the best at Wendy's. Dude, who gives a shit? If you want to be good at something, just try to be great at it. It honestly doesn't matter what it is. I'm podcasting here in Littleton, Colorado. The population is probably like, I don't know, 50. Dude, it's such a small-ass town. I'm saying that sarcastically. It's just a small town, but like, if you're going to do it, just try to be great at it. And if you go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast... Which is the most popular episode? I look at the listen numbers. Um, yeah, that one, by far and away, the most popular. Like, double all the other ones that are doing really well. for In my eyes, anyways. Um, and then go back and listen to the last one that I did with Anthony Bartolo. Miles apart. So different. I just, you know, you could take that inspiration with you anywhere. And yeah, that is all from Kobe Bryant. And I've spent about 20 minutes talking about Kobe Bryant. More, more like 18, because I spent one minute on the Lyme disease and corona thing. But that's that's, anyways, that's how I've really been impacted. And, you know, Kobe was a father of four, and now his wife is left alone with three children you know and a lot of people will go yeah but she still has you know hundreds of millions of dollars like she is financially stable no doubt i'm not going to say she's not but wh- what is financial stability without to a wife without a husband and the loss of a daughter it's just so tragic and so sad and really weird timing in the nba world one the night before the crash LeBron James passes Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list in the NBA. Kobe goes from third to fourth. LeBron now third all-time in NBA history. And then on the plane ride back to Los Angeles, the whole Laker team gets the news about this. And, you know, there's a pretty popular video out there of him leaving the plane and just, you know, in tears and just devastated. It's, uh Yeah, it's really strange timing. Um, the serendipity of all of it is pretty surreal. Kobe Bryant gave LeBron James a pair of basketball shoes when this guy was like 15 or 16 years old at an NBA All-Star game in Philadelphia. That's where Kobe was from. LeBron James wore those shoes, despite them being one size too small, the next day in a high school game versus Carmelo Anthony, who... Love him or hate him is a legend here in Colorado and in Denver. Um, and and then he passes and beats Kobe's record in Philadelphia that Saturday night. Pretty weird. Um, and gets interviewed after the game and talks for 10 minutes just about how Kobe has impacted him. Like, LeBron James is... The picture-perfect athlete, just an all-around decorated athlete, like America's sweetheart athlete. Um, You know, talking about how much Kobe impacted him, it's just, you know, it's so much greater than we lost a basketball man. You can say that, you can, but, um, you know, it means a lot more to some people. And whatever, everybody everybody is entitled to their own opinion i i don't like saying that but i have the right to say that <laughs> um yeah anyways just kind of a weird sad thing i guess i really just wanted to do this so that i could talk it out and just get my thoughts out and feel better um you know you don't have to be sad like i am you just don't have to i get it you know kobe is an athlete and To a lot of people might just be that name, but to be known on a one name basis, that just means that you've worked your way up to some super fucking high level that a lot of people will not get, you know, you'll say a name like LeBron, there's another one word or one name, guy, Obama, um, Trump, I guess, but... You know, just to be known by one name means that you have impacted enough of culture to to just have that importance where people will just be like, yep, that's him, Kobe. And everybody's done it. They've shot paper into a trash can and yelled Kobe and probably missed because you are not actually Kobe Bryant. But, you know what, that is... um. That's just sort of how I feel about it, about the situation. It's awful, um, and it hits harder because I just follow the NBA all day, every day. That's literally, it's always on my mind. I am absolutely obsessed with watching basketball. Probably why I don't do more stand-up comedy. Um you know, if I cut back on basketball consumption by like half, I would definitely be writing more, doing more open mics, networking more, podcasting more. I don't doubt that. And again, you know, even as Kobe has passed, you could just learn how to be better. I can learn how to be so much better. I could brainstorm ideas for this thing every day. I could just work on editing. I could buy software. I could, you know, compose music that I could put in over it. And there's so much things that I still could be doing um so anyways that's uh that's gonna wrap up the Kobe talk I gotta get out and do more stand-up comedy that's it that's just what I gotta do you know I love doing it and recently did a set at um, mutiny cafe the mutiny information cafe that is my favorite mic in Denver um, I've talked about it before I've done like i don't know i've done a handful of mics there and they've all been their own podcast episode on this and recently went there and um you know maybe i just am so new to comedy still that i don't know the ropes or the game really but went up and signed up on the list um what i thought was pretty early i thought i signed up pretty early and Maybe wasn't that early because i I think I signed up at nine thirty and ended up going on at about twelve fifteen and and uh you know I was just um this was the first mic in a while that I wasn't nervous for it was i was just i really wanted just to go and do it it had been a while since I'd done a mic and I talked about it a lot with other comedians like I've taken a month I've taken two months off and You know, they all told me, like, as long as you stay consistent, you're not being consistent, but as long as you are, then you will see your progress and you'll start getting better and keep getting better. And having had enough time off and focusing on the podcast and now I feel comfortable and kind of in a groove and I feel like I can reach out to a lot of people and ask them to be on and there's a decent interest involved in it, whatever, um... I was just in the right headspace to go and and go do uh, an open mic. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, I would like to make it clear. I am not complaining that I I waited for that long. Um, It was awesome. I got to watch three hours of comedy, basically. And Jose McCall is the host there puts it on every Tuesday. It's terrific. You have to check it out. Um, and that happens right on Broadway, I-25 and Broadway. It's like on that huge strip. There's so many open mics that happen on that strip. It's it's like a popping spot in Colorado. It's beautiful that, you know, you go there and there's just an open mic at like every corner almost. Um, there's a lot there, but the Mutiny is my personal favorite. I just love the room. I like the environment. I like... The lights, uh, I like all of it. Um, and it does pack. It does get packed sometimes. You know, if you go there for one of their special events, they're always doing live events like a poetry reading or something like that. It fills up, man. It fills up. People like they know the spot and they go there and whatever. So that's why I was just just happy to be there. Uh, I was happy not to be at home again, thinking about doing comedy and not doing it. I was grateful that I was in the headspace to go and feel comfortable doing it and um i went up at twelve fifteen, in front of six seven people and i i was so happy i felt so comfortable and it, it was a it was an awesome night i will play the set you'll hear it and i'll go over some of the jokes and um whatever you know that i guess i've set the scene for it but let's listen to it let's listen to the set this is the set from that night (laughs) uh your next comic coming up to the stage uh one of these near cats in town thanks for your eyes is it dan oh dan oh hell yeah guys cool thanks for saying guys um pretty crazy. It's like 12.30. If I wasn't doing comedy, I would have been in bed at 9. I don't know. What are you guys doing? Do you work tomorrow? Yeah. You do and you're still here? Shit. Why? Right.
1: (laughs) That's so nice. Alright. Audience
0: members of the year. That's beautiful. Um, One of my newest pet peeves is when comedians come on stage and then immediately start talking about what bothers them. (laughs) Like before you get to know anything about them or who they are, they're like, hey, this bothers me. I can't stand that. Uh, My name is Dan O, by the way. Uh, Something else that bothers me is, um, I've noticed that since working in a restaurant that people will often blame their bad attitude on hunger.
1: You know, usually somebody who's incredibly rude will get their meal,
0: finish it, and then all of a sudden they're friendly again, as if it never happened. And they always say the same thing. I'm sorry, I was just hangry. It's a combination of angry and hungry, we've all heard it. I look at those people like, You ever been hay before? You know what I mean? Like, you ever been so hungry that you're like, I think I hate Asians. Like, have you ever been that hungry? No. Uh, Hey, really quick while I have you guys. By a show of hands, how many people here have ever lost an arm before? Alright, I guess that's everybody. Uh, I actually told that joke up in Longmont one time, and a woman in the crowd literally didn't have an arm, like she had lost it, uh, or misplaced it, I don't know what they say. But she got offended and stood up and walked out of the theater, which really upset me at the time, but looking back, I kind of admire her because that's a very brave thing to do, to stand up for what you believe in. And I applauded her for that, uh, with both of my hands, that was amazing what she did. No hard feelings though, uh, you know, no arm, no foul is what I say. Um, I live in the second floor of an apartment building underneath a guy named Jesus, who I just referred to as the man upstairs. Alright, alright, that's what I go for, man, thank you. Uh, I think it's funny that you can like somebody because of their appearance, but you can't hate somebody because of it. You know, you can be like, hey, she's wearing glasses, I like her, but you can never be like, he's black, I hate him, you know, you just can't do that. Uh, I know this isn't a library, but feeling kind of checked out. Uh, I noticed there's this Titanic thing over here, which makes me think uh, a sinking Titanic. It really separates the men from the boys, no? Nope, it doesn't. All right, but it literally did in the past. So, um, hey, hey, thank you. No, it's a late, it's a late hitter. It's like uh, acid or something. <laughs> Um, somebody that I work with recently came up to me and he was like, Hey, Dano, just so you know, I hate racist people. (laughs) And I was like, why? (laughs) And he was like, cause they're all black. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Cool. Um, just found out that that coworker is Jewish. And I was like, really? You're Jewish? He's like, well, my grandfather's Jewish. And I'm like, so how Jewish are you then? And he goes, I'm only a quarter Jew. And I was like, is everything money with you guys? And then he called me a racist. So, um, Hey, it's January. This is the month of MLK day. Do you guys know that MLK day was that close to being called milk day? Yeah, totally different holiday. Uh, I have a cream. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I think grunts are as good as laughs or, you know, moans, maybe no, uh, Hey, could I ask you something? I'm gonna ask anyways, uh, hey, what's your stance on balance beams? Oh, I can't stand them. All right. Cool, cool. Uh, I recently met a Mexican gangster, but he was a bit standoffish. All right, okay, I'll take it. Uh, I wanna end on this one. I heard a really great bit the other night about stealing jokes. It was awesome. Uh, This comedian was all like, uh, she was like, you know, I probably shouldn't do it on second thought, but it was really funny, and you guys had to be there, so thanks, anyways. I'm Dano. Give it up for Jose for putting on a great mic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah Dano, y'all. Yeah. That was the mic. That was awesome. Um, I had so much fun doing that, and just to break down each joke because that's what I like to do. It might be more selfish than anything now that I think about it, but. I always love to include these in the podcast, and if I can come up with a more creative way to include these sets into it, I will do it. But until then, I'm just going to keep breaking down these jokes, and uh, and we'll see if they work or not. But you know, you can go back and, uh, and listen to each joke like I did. If you're following my comedy career joke by joke, then yeah, please go back and, and listen to some of it, and then uh, these notes will make sense. But the opener, pet Peeve. If you listen closely, there's a a delay before the laughs, but I feel like I'm setting the tone a little bit for, you know, the the irony and pun infested set that I created, Um, and then I get into a personal story, and if you've been listening to me talk to other comedians at all, one of the things I always say is, uh, I think that I am really bad at storytelling, and recently i've decided that you know because i talk to myself literally all goddamn day um that while i'm at work if you're talking to yourself and make yourself laugh whatever it is you got to write it down i know classic rule but it'll be things related to work specifically and uh, this was just one of those things that happened really organically and i don't remember exactly the moment but uh yeah, I, I sort of just said, hastist hey, and I was like, oh, hey, maybe that's funny, and probably worked on that, writing it for like a week. Um, not like every day and sat down meticulously, but it was just in the back of my mind for a while. I'd go and check up on the joke, and uh, it wasn't hitting me some days, and then another day I would like be really proud of that random thought, and if you go back and listen to it, you can hear the laughs start to roll in a little bit. And I think the joke would have done better if the crowd was a little bit bigger. Um, and maybe that's ego coming into play. Maybe I just believe in the joke too much. But um, yeah, anyways, that's my idea of it. I, I think it would have done better had there been a bigger crowd. But alas, it was like 1220. So no complaints. No complaints there. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it. I love that joke. And then... Again, I'm trying to tell stories that relate to me specifically. And that is where No Arm, No Foul came into play. Uh, The joke is, like, by a show of hands, has anybody here ever lost an arm? Okay, yeah, you know, you've heard me say that probably, like, 15 times already in these included sets. But if I've ever told you... The story behind that, like, when I was in Longmont, um, a woman literally did get offended. And, you know, that was a real shit-ass night because I took it so personally. Um, Mostly because I drove an hour to get to this open mic with my brother. Shout-out to my brother. Thank you for coming with. That was amazing. And I invited my good childhood friend from goddamn third grade and his wife, Chandler and Nina, to come see the mic. And they drove out an hour. To go to Longmont to see me perform seven minutes. They drove an hour to see their friend talk for seven minutes. Um, And a huge shout out to them, dude. I love you guys. And you know, that was my opener that night. And yeah, that a woman literally didn't have an arm and got offended. Apparently she was the town favorite. And see what I mean? Like, when I tell the story, it's so much longer. And I'm just trying to learn how to craft this long thing into a short joke. I know you got to trim all the fat, but that's the real story. And I ended up bombing the whole set because everyone saw her walk out and was like, if she's not laughing, I'm not laughing because Longmont apparently is ruled by this woman. And uh, yeah, whatever she its She's like the Kim Jong-un of Longmont. Kim Jong-un arm. Un is one in Spanish. So that joke was like a un out of 10. Um, what else? Un is not one in Spanish. It's also uno, by the way, but it is un in Spanish if you really know your shit. Um, and then right after that, you get into Man Upstairs. Uh, again, I really wish I knew where this thought came from, but just in looking through my notes on the phone, I was like, hey, that's really funny. And, um, I knew it was funny, and it just needed the right pacing to it, and I think I got the pacing right in that set there. Um, We'll see. I will definitely do it again, and I'll talk about the pacing again because who knows? Maybe it isn't funny, and maybe it was just funny that night. But I love when a joke works the first time. That's a good fucking feeling. It's awesome when you get a laugh. And then you go into um, appearance. Like I, uh, you know, I think it's funny how you can like people but you can't hate them because of their appearance and it was a meh reaction i uh, i've done that maybe two other times i've gotten good reactions but it's not every night that's what i'm learning you know just because you get a laugh one night you might not get it the next so shit uh but i love that so i'm gonna keep doing it i really like that and maybe i will add on to it maybe it could become a story i have no idea Um, And then I talk about, hey, this isn't a library, but I feel checked out. I really only said that it was a one out of 15 on the scale, on the funny scale pun. But because I just wanted to say this Titanic joke really bad. I go, hey, I don't know if you guys saw this Titanic thing here. It was a boat on the shelf in front of a book that said Titanic. I was like, oh, I thought of a Titanic pun like two years ago. I want to say it. And uh, yeah, that that checked out pun just felt like a natural way for me to walk over there and say it. Anyways, that was my thought process in the moment. Then I go into racist. That's the joke where I'm like, uh, a coworker came up to me and he was like, hey, I hate racist people. Again, this is me drawing from work. You have to draw from your own experiences. And for a long time, I didn't want to talk about working in a restaurant because I thought that it sounded corny or that I was corny because I talked about what I did for a living. Um, and it's not corny, actually. It, it's so necessary to do, in my opinion, to stand up, to talk about your day-to-day experience. And in my case, it happens to be working at a restaurant. So um, I'm going to try to incorporate a little bit more stories from that and and just be more open about it because there is a, a load of material. Probably untapped, and I just got to be creative about it. I'm not the first comedian that worked in a restaurant, so... That was another reason why I didn't want to talk about it, but I will start doing that. And then, um, where where the joke is like, uh, hey, I'm only a quarter Jew. And I was like, is everything money with you guys? I, I like saying that. It's a little bit offensive, but it's also so stupid that I just like to say it. Um, it's fun to just... It's just fun. I don't know. I like I like a a, a kind of Jew joke, I guess. But if you listen to the audio, 0 out of 10. Literally no laughs. And uh and I loved it, you know. You got to you got to relish the silence. And then I go into just another pun, a timely pun. MLK Day was this close to being called Milk Day. Uh I have a cream. I love yelling that. I just wanted I wanted to be able to tell my uh adopted grandchildren one day that i went up on stage and yelled i have a cream to a crowd full of seven other millennials and one open mic host and now i can check that off my bucket list so but that's a joke that you don't tell all year that's like a s that's like a jan 15 joke jan 15 to like jan 25 probably that's probably the cutoff yeah I think it's too late to tell a joke now is what I'm saying. So that's the last of it. Um, but it lives on Facebook (laughs) and then balance beams. Again, if you've heard my sets, you've heard me say this one. I like it. I think it's just a stupid play on words. I really wish I knew where I came up with it, but I don't, but I'm glad I did. And I got one laugh. I got like an initial, huh? If you go and listen. And then when I go, I can't stand them. Then it's the second laugh, but Laughs are laughs to me. God damn, I love getting a laugh, dude. It feels good as shit. And then uh, Mexican Gangster. This is me at this point. I'm like, look, the mic's almost over. I just want to squeeze in as much stage time as I can. I didn't want to go for like 10 minutes um, like some of the openers that night did. But um, yeah, I was just like, yeah, why not? I I like this one. And I, I wrote it down as a just in case. And You know, when I'm getting a set together, I have all the jokes bullet-pointed on the notepad, and I'll throw in some extra ones. Like, if the set's going well and I feel a good energy, I'll throw in these extra... I'll say these extra ones on stage, and that was one of those. Um, Just because I was feeling well, not because it was going amazing. I was just feeling good. And then I think I had a really weak closer with stealing jokes. Um, It got no laughs, but it had the exact same amount of irony as the opener... And I don't know. Maybe they were just sick of irony at that point, and they were like, "Ah, okay, all right, cool. Irony and puns, gotcha. Next, please." Um, but that was all. That was all of the jokes, and a huge shout out to the audience members of the year. If you listen to the beginning of the recording, they're like, "I'm like, why are you here?" And they go to support you. What good ass fucking people, man! I really wish I would have like. Um said thanks, or whatever, I'd said thanks on stage, but afterwards, I I just sat down and watched the other comedian, there was only one after me, and then I left, but, um, yeah, I remember leaving, and trying to talk myself up, I was like, yeah, dude, there was only one comedian after me, I opened for the headliner, no, I definitely didn't, and, uh, man, I got home, like, Around one, and I have I live in this apartment complex that has a limited amount of parking spaces, and I got home, and I just wanted to park in front of my apartment so bad, and there was not a goddamn spot, and I was like, all right, maybe like um, like I don't know, it's like a hundred yards. I was like, maybe over there by the mailboxes. Fucking nope, still nothing. Go to the all the way goddamn other side of the neighborhood still nothing and then i'm like circling this bitch like i think i'm gonna have to either burn my car or kill myself because this is awful i don't know where i'm gonna leave my car for the night and uh i had the thought you know i go up and sign sign up on this open mic list to go and do stand up and don't go on until like twelve fifteen, and then i get home and there isn't a place to leave my car Officially, two instances in a row that I couldn't get a spot. Yeah. Um. And you know what? If you're ending the night with a laugh about uh, an okay situation, I think it's a good thing. But that is that is it. That's all I got. Holy shit, we did it, man. That's like it's like a good uh, almost 50 minutes there. A lot about Kobe Bryant because I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna just talk about who i want to talk about and what i want to talk about and i always justify it not because there's actual people that are upset because the extra voice in my head is like hey just always be funny always be interesting don't talk about personal things but um we're trying to silence that voice and um wow thanks for listening this far into it if you have if you have heard me talk through each of my jokes at this point you are a goddamn warrior you're a real ass fan of the show i guess or you just forgot to hit pause or don't know how sleep timers work on the podcast app but either way i appreciate it holy shit thank you um i got more interviews with comedians coming just kind of wanted to get this one out and um yeah, I don't know, just uh, get another solo one out there. Like I keep saying, I just want to mix things up and not have like a one or a really scripted thing where it's pretty predictable. Um, yeah, anyways, this one just felt good to get out there. and We got to go do more mics. I didn't do a mic last week because I got sick, as you can still hear. I don't know where this mucus is coming from. You know, I feel like I get rid of a quart of mucus a day. And yet I still sound like this, so... Maybe I do have the coronavirus and I don't want to joke about that because what if I fucking do? God damn. It's weird. It's weird to be nervous and anxious about something that started in China. Isn't it? Is that. Am I can't be the first person to say that sentence? It's weird. It's okay to be anxious about China. It is, right? It's not. And that's not racist, by the way. I don't think. I mean, I could see how you. Alright. Um. Oof, boy. Anyways, anyways, there uh, there will be more comedian guests on um, next week. Um, should all go according to plan. You will hear from Mandy Kay, who is a comedian based out of Boulder, but also travels to Denver. And, dude, she she just works so much, and I'm so excited. And, you know, first female comedian guest. And up until this point... I'm like, wow, it's been absolutely amazing that I get to sit down with comedians, but I just, I, you know, want some new perspective, and and, uh, anyways, that'll be next week, so do look out for that one, and uh, yeah, this is going to be a weekly thing, so let's just keep it going, thank you for listening, if you want to support this podcast, tell people, tell people, and uh, holy shit, that's the best way to support it, you know, that's that's what I do, I'm telling you to tell people. Is that technically telling someone? Maybe I'm not helping myself, but if you want to help this, and not me, but this, then yeah, tell someone. Hey, I know a guy that interviews comedians. They're interesting. He's okay. Um, You know, he talks a lot about the corona disease and his paranoia of China that doesn't stem from racism, and um, yeah, maybe you should check that out. That's what you gotta say, word for word, just, you know, maybe take that snippet out of this pod and put it into their ears, and anyways, you could also follow the page on Instagram at comedian.ordinaire, and uh, wow, I guess I gotta go get some more interviews lined up and practice some jokes, but thanks for listening, hope it wasn't too sad in the beginning, but I gotta talk about, I gotta talk about it, so... That's that. We're g- I'm gonna get out of here, but here's the intro, outro music. Maybe I am still sick. Good time. Enjoy life. It's um, life is too short to, to, to get bogged down to be discouraged. Or um, you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Smile and just keep on rolling.